So uh, this past couple of weeks, uh, I have been thinking about the times that we live in. And to say the least, they're crazy, aren't they? I mean, these are just mixed up, depressing um, times that we're, we're living in. I've been on the planet over 60 years. And I can honestly say that in my 60 years on planet Earth, there have been some troubling seasons in the United States of America, no doubt about it. But I don't know if any of those seasons were as troubling and mixed up and gloomy and demonic as this season is. I want you to think about this. I read this week that the number of people, innocent people, being gunned down is just, it's a, it's a crazy number. 306 human beings every single day are shot. 109 human beings are killed by another human being every single day in America. And obviously a number of, you know, the major majority of those are coming from cities like Detroit, Baltimore, those kinds of places, but make no mistake about it, it's happening right here in this pinhole on a map called Modesto, California. Police officers are being shot at an alarming rate. They're literally being ambushed. My son-in-law is a Modesto police officer. He's a SWAT officer. He's an FTO officer, meaning he trains other officers, uh, guys and gals that are trying to you know, make it into the police force. And obviously, you know, you, you pray like crazy for him every time he puts on the, the uniform. But in the culture we're living in now, now, now you pray at a whole nother level. As he does his best to keep my neighborhood and your neighborhood safe as it can possibly be. School campuses are under siege. Drugs are literally everywhere, literally everywhere. Porn is literally everywhere. Every single person in this room literally could pull out their smartphone and in about 10 seconds, you can be watching porn. You don't have to go down to some sleazy you know, store and pick up a video or whatever. It's just literally, it's in your pockets right now. Cities are turning into literal cesspools. Think San Francisco. When I was a kid and, and I would go to the prom, you know, I'd be down at Davis High School and it'd be prom time, you know, right? And you, you'd always take your prom date somewhere special. Maybe took them to the city, maybe. You drive into the city. Man, the city back then was just awesome. Big, huge buildings all lit up. Man, you could walk the streets and go, wow, this is just, it was unbelievable, man. <laughs> you can't do that today. Needles laying everywhere. 
urine everywhere, feces everywhere, homelessness everywhere. It's, it's a different place. Kids are being kidnapped off the streets and sold into slavery. And I'm not talking about in Somalia. I'm talking about in Modesto. Think that through for a minute. I want to talk about some crazy, goofed up, mixed up times, gloomy times, demonic times. Man. Transgenderism is becoming the norm in our culture. We're allowing boys to enter into girls' bathrooms and showers simply because they feel like they're a girl. Huh? Now, now my kids are older, but if my daughter would have been in junior high or high school or whatever, and she would have been going to the bathroom or would have been taking a shower after sports or whatever, and some dude walked in, she would have been humiliated. She would have been embarrassed. She would have been scared for her life. And now we have laws being created that protect that. Human life has little to no value anymore. Sexual immorality is running rampant in the church. Forget out in the culture. I, I get the culture. The divorce rate is just unbelievable. Most statistics say the divorce rate is higher amongst believers than it is amongst those that are lost. Even if that isn't true, just the fact that there are studies that are done that share that, you just go, what, what is going on? What is happening in our culture? The coronavirus has gotten us all fighting each other, mask or no mask, mask. You know, do I get vaccinated or not vaccinated? It's just crazy. Months ago, I had posted on my Facebook page that I had gotten the vaccination. From Christian friends, some of the stuff that was posted on my Facebook page, I had to take off. They never asked why, just that I was a loon, I had been deceived, I was a sheep. I mean, you name the stuff. Let me tell you what happened. There was a family they're in this room right now. I hugged them this morning. They know who they are. This is a long time ago. They had called and said, Pastor Rick, we know you can do communion online. Remember, remember when the church was empty and we were doing stuff online? You'd get your communion stuff. Would you be willing to come over to our home? I'm going to bring my family over, and would you lead communion in our home? And I thought, whoa. In fact, I got goosebumps right now. I thought, whoa, what a great idea. I hadn't thought about it. It was a ministry. And I said, yes. You know, I'm thinking, man, I just grab some juice, some bread. I'll go to their home. We'll have this great time of worship. I'll lead them as their pastor in communion. And then, and then she said, um, Pastor Rick, have you, have you been vaccinated? She was a little worried. She was a little concerned. And I said, no, no, I haven't. And she says, oh, well, then maybe we should do it at another time. Hung up the phone, called my wife and said, get me an appointment ASAP. 
got the appointment, went down to Kaiser, got the shot, called her back and said, listen, get your family together. She goes, well, you said you hadn't been vaccinated. I said, I have now. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to let anything stop me from doing what God has called me to do, to be a blessing to people and serve people. That's not a political statement. Because I would fight for your right, those of you that aren't vaccinated, to not be vaccinated. I don't think that's right. And I literally would fight for your right for, to not be. But it's okay if other people make different decisions. But in the culture we're living in, man, we're just at war with one another. There's just no grace. There's no compassion. There's no mercy for anybody's decisions that they're making. Civility basically has left the building. There seems to be no sense of what's right or wrong anymore in our culture. The book of Judges ends this way, and most of you would know this. In those days, Israel had no king, so everybody did what was right in their own eyes. And that verse could literally be describing America today. We as a nation have gotten away from the king We've gotten away from Jesus. We've gotten away from biblical principles. And because of that, man, we're just, everybody's just kind of doing whatever they feel like doing. Just doing whatever you want to do. A lot of stress in our nation right now. But more importantly, there's a lot of stress inside your family today, isn't there? Over some of these things that I just mentioned, man, there's just arguments happening and families aren't talking to one another anymore. There's just this incredible stress going on. The family unit has suffered greatly because of mankind's rebellion to biblical truth. And by the way, that includes Christian homes. There's an all-out attack on the family today and, and, and right smack dab in the middle of the family, God has strategically placed a dad. Oh. And a mom. Don't get me wrong here, please. God, in the midst of all this, has put a dad or a future dad. Wow. It's weighty. Weighty thing. Now, with all this said, I, I want you to listen to this prayer of Jesus. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago. In the midst of all this chaos and crud and junk and anxiousness and a culture that's just going down a rat hole, right? In the midst of it all, Jesus prays, and here's what he says. He says, Father, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. Wow. I'm just asking, Father, that you would keep them safe from the evil one. That's John 17, verse 15. That seems weird. Why would God want you in the middle of this mess? 
I mean, it seems like, you know, at the moment of salvation, at the moment you gave your life to Christ, at the moment the Holy Spirit revealed to you the condition of your soul, that sin had separated you from the Father and there was nothing you could do to save yourself, but he had the power to pull it off and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for your sins. Once that was revealed to you and you surrendered yourself to Jesus, you said, Jesus, you become the CEO of my life. Why doesn't God just take you to heaven and get you out of here? Why does he leave you here? I mean, you're one of his children. Why does our father say, hey, I want you here. He's very much aware of just how goofed up our culture is. He's very much aware of all the shenanigans that are going on. And yet here we have Jesus saying, Father, don't, don't take him out of the world. Just protect them. Why? Why would God want you here? Well, I think there's lots of reasons, but let me give you the, the big one, okay? The God that we serve the God that we've surrendered our lives to wants us to be influencers. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter five. S seven words. 23 letters. That's all we're gonna focus on today. Jesus was talking to a group of people. He could be on this platform today talking to you. Well, well, well he is, right? This is the word of God. And this is what he says. You, Christian, are the salt of the earth. Whoa. Whoa, 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 whoa. Seven little words, 23 letters that are just profound. Just wait, you probably read them a zillion times. What, what, what point is Jesus making? What's he saying? And maybe more importantly, how do we apply them to our lives? Well, I, I think Jesus meant a lot by, by this and in my time, and I gotta hustle here. I, I've changed it a little bit I'm not goofing with scripture, just change it a little bit because I think in how I've changed it, you'll go, oh, I get it. <laughs> salt of the earth. I mean, what is that? How, how, how are we the salt of the earth? That, that's a, that's a, a spotlight. You're the salt of the earth. What I'm gonna do is, I'm gonna bring it down to a laser beam. You are the salt of your family. Oh. If he meant you're the salt of the earth, that certainly means your family, but all of a sudden that brings some context to it, doesn't it, dads? That you are the salt of your family. And if you can't be the salt of your family, forget about the world. It begins right there in your own home or your future home, if you're a single dad. 
Now, moms, obviously, if you're a single mom, I was raised by, raised by a single mom, it means you. You get this. This has application for all of us. I'm just focusing in on, on dads here, men, if you will. Dad, you're, you're called to be the salt of your family. So let me give you a few specific thoughts that might help you better be the salt of your family. And these are really simple. But don't let simple somehow get into your brain that they're not profound. Number one, salt um, was very valuable in biblical days. Today, you know, every restaurant you go into has salt and pepper shakers on the tables, right? At your home, you sit down and have dinner, you know, there's salt and pepper shakers. In biblical days, salt was super valuable. And I think one of the things that Jesus was saying to these people is you're valuable. You, you're the salt of the earth. You're valuable, and you, you influence your family, Dad, when, when you somehow treat them like they're valuable. Let me take us back to the first book of the Bible, the 26th verse, where God says, let us make human beings in our image and in our likeness. Let us make human beings in our image. Imago Dei is the Latin phrase. Yes, God made cows, and yes, God created birds, and yes, God created beetles, and yes, God created hawks. He created it all, right? The first five days of creation, we read how God was creating everything, but when he gets to day six, something changes because human beings were created differently. They were created in God's image, Imago Dei. And that's what makes human life valuable. That's what makes human life special. Human life is so valuable and it's so special that the father is gonna look to his son and say, son, you have to go and be born in a little town called Bethlehem, the incarnation. God leaves the glories of heaven and comes to planet earth as a man to live a perfect and holy and righteous life and voluntarily go to a cross to die, to shed his blood for us. He didn't come and die and shed his blood for a whale or a seal or a hawk or a trout or a beetle or a snail because they aren't imago Dei. They're created by God. But he's hanging on a cross shedding his blood for you because you're valuable. And one of the ways, Dad, you influence your family is when you treat them that way. Look, Dad, your, your children may look like you, 
Or maybe they look like their mom. Or maybe they don't look like either one of you. Maybe they were adopted or whatever. But they're made in God's image. And that's what makes them valuable. Listen to what God says in Matthew chapter 10. He says, what is the price of two sparrows? One copper coin? But not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. So, so don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. A sparrow's nothing. This is nothing. And God says, look, when a sparrow drops from the ground, I know about it because he's sovereign. And Jesus is saying, look, man, a whole flock of them can drop to the ground and your father knows about it, but I'm telling you, you're way more valuable than a sparrow. And God knows when a sparrow drops from the ground. That's how valuable you are. And dads, let me tell you, your salt And your family, when you simply treat your family like they're valuable. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. Your, your, your spouse, dads, is God's masterpiece. Your children are God's masterpiece. Your grandkids are God's masterpiece. Your great-grandkids are God's masterpiece. Romans 5, but God showed his great love for us. He showed us how valuable we were to him by sending Christ to die for us while we were still in our sin. Just think that through for a minute. Let me give you one super simple way to show your spouse or your children or your grandkids that they're valuable, okay? And I want you to buckle your seatbelts, Dad, because this is heavy-duty stuff, man. You're gonna be thankful you came to church today. Just get them all buckled in. Here it is, Ready? I thought about this. Thought about this long and hard. I want to give you one simple thing. You actually tell your spouse or your kids, you're valuable to me. Whoa. Whoa. Settle down, pastor. You mean you want me to actually look my wife in her eyes or my kids or my grandkids and say, I just want you to know you're valuable to me. Yeah. That's a, that's a powerful statement. And by the way, I didn't even say, hey, I want you to know you're valuable to God. Because guess what? If your spouse or your kids read the scripture, they know that they're valuable to God. I'm talking about you as a dad letting them know how valuable they are to you. That you would just say the words, you're valuable to me. Just want you to know. And it could be that the Holy Spirit is doing a work in your lives like he was one particular guy that I talked to last night, called me at home. His kids are in their 30s and 40s. He got home called us two boys they live in other states and said you know what I was at church tonight and, and I heard from the Lord I don't think I ever told you how valuable you are to me 
I'm sorry for that, but I want you to know you're really valuable to me. That, that, well, that probably took him 20 seconds, Pastor Rick, probably. Wow, do you think that made a difference on the other end of the phone? 20 seconds? Maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you've never done that. Maybe you go home and make sure, man, I, gotta, I, need, I need to be salt to my family. And one of the ways I'll do that is I'm going to tell my wife, I'm going to tell my kids all the time. I just want you to know how valuable you are to me. just want you to know. Oh, okay. Thanks, thanks, Dad. Dad, I know, I know. I'm, I, I know you say it all the time, Dad. Keep saying it. Keep saying it. Because they are valuable. Jesus Christ hung on a cross for them. That makes them pretty valuable. Remember what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth, your family. And number two, salt adds flavor to food. It, it makes you know, food more enjoyable to eat, right? I mean, who, who doesn't, you know, you get your steak or... Uh, yeah. Put a little salt on that thing. Wow. Just kind of makes it taste better. Now, I know some of you don't like salt. I know some of your doctors have said don't eat salt. You know, goose up your whatever. But for most of us, salt, it's, it just adds flavor to our food. And dad, you influence your family and those around you when you're enjoyable to be around. And by the way, if you're nailing number one, you're probably enjoyable to be around because you understand how valuable they are. But I've been here a long time. I was a youth guy here for a long time and I can tell you, man, there are a lot of homes that I went into. A lot of dads were, wow, just, wow, just, I could hardly wait to get out of the house. And I thought, wow, those kids are trapped in there. It's, no f it's not enjoyable to be around. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter seven. He said, do to others, and this would include your spouse, right, or your kids, whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that's taught in the law and the prophets. Wow. Jesus said, look, you could take all 39 books of the Old Testament, right, from Genesis to Malachi, and there are hundreds and hundreds of laws contained within those 39 books. Many of them still apply to us today. Some of them don't. But he said, you could take all those laws. You could take everything that all of the prophets talked about. You know, think about all the prophets that are in the Old Testament. Ezekiel and Jeremiah and Isaiah. There's all these prophets. You, you could boil it all down to one sentence. Boil down everything they taught. Just treat other people the way you'd want to be treated. Wow. That's another way to say, just make your home enjoyable. A place where, you know, it's fun to be at, I guess. Paul said this in Romans 12, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. And this has to include your family, right? Honor one another above yourself. That's got to include your family, right? Paul said this in Philippians 2, each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also the interests of others. That has to include your family, right, dads? 
Paul goes on to say in chapter 4, Dads, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you're considerate in all you do. And that has to mean your spouse and your kids, right? Remember, here's the motivation. Life may stink. The culture may be goofed up. Everything may be a mess. But don't forget, the Lord's coming. He's coming. And so as goofed up as it is, just keep your mind there. King David said, this is the day that the Lord has made and we're gonna rejoice and be glad in it. May that be the motto of your home, maybe. We're gonna have have a home that's enjoyable. King David, or King Solomon, David's son said, hey, there's a time to cry and there's a time to laugh. There's a time to grieve and there's a time to dance. In other words, yes, dad, there are times in your home that are weighty and and pensive and, and where there's crying or there's, you know, you and mom are having some tension. I mean, those are going to happen. But is that, the, you know, the pattern there? Or is the pattern, you know what? We do have lots of times of laughter and all that kind of stuff. We do have lots of time of dancing and just joy-filled whatever, whatever it is. Let me give you a few practical thoughts on how you can be enjoyable. Just laugh. Does, is there laughter in your home? I've been in many of your homes, and there is. You can laugh. I get together with many of you, and we can laugh and have a great time. You know, tell each other jokes. I'm always telling jokes in my family. My family works really hard not to laugh. I know I'm super funny. <laughs> I, I know it. But to them, they, they just want to see, you know, you know, that was dumb, Dad. And I know, I know. Dude, that was funny, man, but they're working hard not to laugh right now. I'm telling you. I don't know, get some board games. Have some fun. Get a family pet. I, I tell you, I, I became Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> I got pets. All my kids got pets. I got a cat. I don't even like cats. I know. They go in, they go to the bathroom and their little thing and their paws are walking on their, you know, whatever. And then they walk out and they walk on my carpet and then they walk on my chest and then they, then they I know where those paws have been. And then they walk on my bedspread and they're walking all over the place or up on the kitchen table. And I'm going, dude, dude, I don't care that he could go to the bathroom in the right spot. I know where those paws have been. And I'm not kidding. It bothers me. But that cat brings a lot of joy to our family. Dogs, man, the hair, there's hairs everywhere. My son just bought a brand new dog. I'm serious, we haven't taken it home yet. It's like six months old, so we have to wait for it to get, we went and visited it, you know, I held it. It's this big, put it down, hair everywhere. And it's, it's, six, it's like six weeks old, hair was just everywhere. I sit down on a couch, there's hair. I gotta have one of those rollers with me at any moment. When you come over, hey, welcome, I give you a bottled water and a roller. Because you're, you're just going to need it. I mean, but they bring joy. Yes. Fun. Here's another word for fun. Mess. Amen. And some of you, some of you, you know what? Mess, me, mess is more weighty. And so you know what? I'm going to make sure there's no fun in my home. 
I want to make sure everything's clean. I don't, I don't want to. We have a, a, a grandson. We call him the little tornado. He's like 18 months old. My wife likes to keep everything really, really clean. Okay, and we're carpet people. I like carpet. I know that's not in. Wood's in. I like carpet. We just got brand new carpet. I like carpet. Why get wood and then put a carpet on top of it? I just go, let's just, let's just, let's just go with a carpet. I don't need to buy both. I can buy one thing, the carpet. And man, it's all nice. And then, hey, grandkids are coming over. Oh, I love it. And come over. And I'm not kidding. 30 seconds. Boom! Something happened. Every toy we've got is out. He plays with one thing for a second. He's off to the... And guess what? It's okay. There's a lot of joy going on. How about buy an ant farm? And some of you are going, buy an ant farm? I bought one like three weeks ago. I'm not kidding. Uh, Uncle Milton's, one of the greatest things I ever bought because uh, I knew my grandson would love it. So I got, the, I got the ant farm and Cade, my son, he's 18, he's in college. We put it all together, poured the sand in the thing. The ants came and they were all dead. <laughs> I am not kidding. So I go out to a field. I'm in my shorts so you can know where this is going to go. I got, I got a Ziploc bag. And I'm scooping things in. The ants are going crazy because a, a monster's after them. And I'm scooping, I'm scooping them in. And, and the next thing I know, I got ants crawling all over me. Okay, <laughs> But I got a bag of ants, man. I took them home. I couldn't get them in the slot because they're going crazy. And my son, my 18-year-old son, college student, says, hey, Dad, you know, you put them in the refrigerator. So we put them in the refrigerator. Five minutes later, they're all... Because the, the cold puts them out. And then we were dropping them into the thing. And today, listen, family, you want to talk about fun? My son and I will get out there every day. They got new little routes. They bury their dead. They got sand everywhere. And you can see them all working. It is unbelievable. The fun that a dumb ant farm. $6.99. 6 dollars all cost me. And a bunch of, I got bites, so they're gone now. But I... I don't know, bake some food, go on vacation together, put a basketball hoop over your front door. I got a picture I want to show you. This is our front door to our home. You come into our house, that's what you see. That's been up there since my son's been in junior high. He's in college now. And you're thinking, well, why don't you take it down now? Why? We still play with it. He's in college, he's 6'2. And him and I will be out there playing out. We'll be playing game. My wife will say, you know, we've got, we got a company coming over. It's in the front door. No, you ain't moving that thing. That's, that's sacred space. That's the top of the key. Looking in. Do you know what games have gotten down there? Do you know the blood, the, the mirrors that have been broke, the pictures on the wall that have come down? That's sacred land. I tell you this because you can think of all kinds of ways to have fun and make your home enjoyable. That's one of the ways that you're salt. Remember what Jesus said, you're the salt of the earth. And your salt, when you, when you let your family know how valuable you are, your salt in their life, when you make your home enjoyable for them, Last but not least, and I'm combining two up here. Salt is white, and white in the Bible represents purity. And dad, you influence your family 
and those around you, those that you work with, those that you play golf with or whatever it might be, when you choose to live a holy and righteous life in front of your kids. This also would be you're a preservative in your family. You can't be a preservative, which is, salt, which is what salt is. It's a preservative. You can't be a preservative to the whole world. I can't be a preservative in your family. You can't be one in mine necessarily, but I can make sure my own family's been preserved. I can make sure that I'm living a righteous and a holy life before my kids. I love what James uh, said in chapter one. He, he's gonna take the two greatest commandments, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But James is gonna phrase it really differently. Listen to what he says in verse 27. He says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. Okay, here it is. To look after orphans and widows in their distress, that's the second greatest commandment, loving others the way you love yourself, caring about others the way you care about yourself, right? And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. That's the first greatest commandment, that you love God above all else. And I love that phraseology. Hey, this is what God wants for his family. Keep yourself from being polluted by the world. You need to work hard, Dad, at keeping yourself from being polluted by the world. And I want you to know it is hard work. It's not easy. God wants you here in the midst of it all. And it takes some hard work to keep yourself from not being polluted by the world. But it also is hard work to keep your family from being polluted by the world. And that's the way you're salt in their life. What, what, what are you allowing in your home? What do you allow to happen? What kind of conduct do you allow? God wants his people to live holy and righteous lives. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter six, you were bought at a price, right? The body of Jesus hanging on a cross. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Live a holy and righteous life. Now, no one's gonna do it perfectly. No one's gonna live out the faith perfectly. Nobody, and that includes me. Nobody. But we ought to work hard at keeping ourselves from being polluted by the world. That, that, that's how we're salt, if you will, to our families, to our spouses. Now, obviously, mom, if, if you're a single mom, these apply to you, right? And by the way, these can apply to a, a kid, a child whose parents maybe aren't believers. You see? But remember, I'm talking to dads here. Remember, decay is all around. The family is under assault. The, the attack is underway. The family is spoiling, and it needs salt. It doesn't matter what laws are passed. They could be crazy, stupid, dumb, idiotic laws. It doesn't matter what laws are passed. What matters is what you as a dad are doing in your home. 
That's what matters. Dad, you're it. You're the ingredient that God wants to use to hold your family together. And you do that when you live holy and righteous before them where you keep yourself from being polluted by the world. Let, let, let me give you an interesting illustration and I'm running late and I apologize, but there, there's this moment in scripture, it's called the rapture when God comes and, and, and he takes his bride, um, the church, all true believers and we're all taken up to heaven, if you will. That day's coming, it could happen today. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I know everybody thinks it's happening real soon, but I don't know when it's gonna happen. I just know it's gonna happen. It's called the rapture of the church, and there comes this moment when, when we're taken out of this place. And then the Bible says it only takes seven years for the whole planet to be in utter chaos. We, we think things are chaotic now. This is nothing compared to what's gonna happen during the seven years after we are raptured out of here. It, the, the, it only takes seven years to literally decimate the whole planet. And here's why. Because there's no longer any salt on the planet. All the Christians are gone. And Jesus said, you're the salt. And now the salt has been raptured. It's gone. And in seven short years, wow. Planet Earth is a bloody mess. It's almost undescribable. The Bible tries to describe what happens during those seven years. We call it the tribulation, the great tribulation, the time of Jacob's trouble, all that kind of stuff. But we don't even know because it's so horrible. Listen to me. Listen to me. Dad, you take the salt out of your family and it doesn't take seven years for it to be destroyed. doesn't take any time at all. That's why it's so important that today when you walk out of here, you say, okay, I'm committed. I, I gotta re-up my game here, kind of a thing. So here's the bottom line. You need salt in your life, okay? I, I need salt in my life. All of us need salt, which is why we have men's ministries and women's ministries and CR and and we have home groups because all of us, we need salt. Dad, you, you need salt in your life. You need someone who's telling you, man, you're valuable, man. I hope today in my message you understand how valuable you are. You need to have people in your life that are enjoyable to be around. You need to have people in your life that are doing their best to, keep you from being polluted by the world. But, but remember, you need salt, but, but your spouse needs salt in their life. Your kids need salt in their lives. <laughs> and your actual neighbor, they need salt in their lives. Influence. Influence. That's what God has for all of us. And um, we have a, a, a website or, that we've set up, I mean, a, an email address, salt at bvg.org. And, and I would love to hear the stories of people who were salt in your life, in your life. Who were they? 
grandmas, a grandpa, a dad? How were they salt in your life? I'd love to hear how you are doing your best to be salt maybe in your family's life or your friend's life. Maybe you're a student and you have some friends and you're trying to be salt. You're trying to influence their life. Or maybe how you're, you know, you put those great stakes up and how you're trying to be salt to your neighbors. I'd love to hear those stories. And by the way, Pastor Bobby at our series campus and our online campus, we're all doing the same thing. Send us. Just take some time. Write something out. Some of you, that's how you can be a blessing to us and to the church families by, by sharing that, okay? So why don't you stand and let me pray and we'll, uh, we'll see what the Lord has for us the rest of this afternoon. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Wow, it was just great music. It was great to have these families up here. It's good to fellowship, hug people. I love hugging people. It's a powerful thing. Help us, God, to understand seven words. You are the salt of the earth. And help us to live it out. And I pray these things in your name. And all of God's people said, amen. Hey, Lord bless you. Okay, live for Jesus.